April 4th, 2022. Can we have a roll call, please? Councilmember Stockton? Here. Councilmember Ritchie? Here. Councilmember Silva? Here. Councilmember Sullivan? Here. Councilmember Wiley? Here. Vice Mayor Roberts? Here. Mayor Rowlett? I am here. We will move to item two. Two A, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This is the continuation of the redistricting map. I will turn it over to Michelle Farnbrew and our consultant team to walk you through the next steps. Good evening. Before we start our item tonight, I'd just like to remind everybody that this public hearing is also being provided in Spanish and Tagalog and American Sign Language. To use the translation services, set your translation button, which can be found in the lower ribbon on the right, to the language you wish to hear the presentation in. To make a public comment, please let the moderator know which language you wish for translation. At that time, a translator will mute themselves and prepare to provide a translation of your comment. For American Sign Language, please type the comments into the chat. So tonight we again have uh, Joanna Jin with BBK here to present maps and um, hopefully pick a final map this evening that can be adopted at the April 12th deadline in time for our April 17th uh, or at the April 12th meeting in time for our April 17th deadline. And with that, I will hand that over to Joanna. Thank you, Michelle. I'm going to start sharing my screen. Okay, can you see that okay? Yes, yes, go ahead. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and good afternoon, Mr. Mayor and Council. Um, my name is Joanna Jen, and it's good to be back before you tonight. And this is our fifth public hearing and we have a short agenda, which would be to review the draft maps and hopefully for council to select a preferred map for introduction. And you're very familiar, of course, with the existing districts. So I won't go over the data too much, just to simply note that the city's current population is 95,909 and the ideal population for each district is um, 15,984. Um, there are two districts with impermissible deviations above 10%. That's districts one and four with a total deviation of 23.26%. Um, and it does not, of course, creating, well, creating a majority minority district may not be possible. Um, but as you will see that uh, a coalition um, district would be, and I'll discuss that too. And so most of the focus, of course, is adjusting for the population. And so with that, I will move on to the draft map options. At the last public hearing, uh, we presented two map options for council. That was map option one, which was carried over, as well as a new map option eight, which was essentially a revision of map options four and five. At the last public hearing, we received direction from council to make some modifications to map option eight, which became 8.1. So I will present that to you um, this evening. 
So just to um, go back, map option one is here because council had expressed a, de a desire to keep the Leisure Town community of interest intact in district two. And this is done by retaining the use of the I-80 um, between districts one and two as a split. And as a reminder, um, there was no population change to districts two, three, and six. Those districts remain wholly intact. And because there was no change to district two, that's how the leisure town community of interest was preserved. And so the findings from map option one is that the total deviation is susceptible because it falls under 10% at 9.06%. It retains the core of the existing districts, creates compact voting districts. Um, small populations of voters were shifted between districts one, four, and five, and it does not create a majority minority voting district. So moving on to map option eight, we prepared this again in response to comments that were received at the third public hearing. It's a combined revision to map options four and five. And the, uh, the population is balanced with a total deviation at 9.76%. Districts are compact and contiguous. Leisure Town is kept wholly intact in district two. District four does not extend below Almo Drive. And the commercial area north of Humeway was moved from District 3 to 4. Um, also, at the fourth public hearing, there was council direction to keep the Brown Street community together. Um, and we had recommended coming back so that we could provide um, demographic data as well. But going back to that scenario, for District 1, if 500 people were moved from District 1 to District 2, District 1's population would have been 14,000. 802, um, and that would have resulted in a negative 7.4% deviation. With that adjustment, absent any other change, that would have resulted in an impermissible 12.88% total deviation. Um, the findings from option eight is that the total deviation as that map was drawn, not as proposed, is acceptable at 9.76%. It incorporates council feedback from the third public hearing to make adjustments to map options four and five. District six remains wholly intact, but it does not create a majority minority voting district, although it does create a coalition district. Um, so here we are at the final, um, well, at the 8.1, um, that's a revision to map option eight. Um, council had expressed a desire to keep the Leisure Town community of interest um, intact and um, to do so by retaining the I-80 as a boundary between districts one and three. And so there are three big changes that occur with this map. It uses the I-80 as a divider between districts one and two. And this takes into account council member Richie's comments from the third public hearing, as well as other council members to use the I-80 as a boundary and to keep Leisure Town intact. It also addresses council member Stockton's comments from the fourth public hearing to see if it would be possible to make adjustments to the boundaries between districts one and three, and also districts one and two, including east of the Nut Tree Airport. So that is a difference that you'll see here um, between the, the existing district boundaries as well as the other map options, which is where the I-80 split ends. 
you'll notice in this map option that the I-80 split extends from um, between districts one and two all the way eastward up to Midway Road. And so that's the biggest difference. The second change is that it also addresses a request by Council Member Silva to preserve the, the Brown Street community of interest. It moves from District 1 to District 3, the commercial area within the Nugget Markets along East Monte Vista Avenue between Allison Drive and Brown's Valley Parkway. And so there has been some shifting in the shape of District 3. And the last change that occurs is it extends from District 1 into District 3, some population that shifted as a result of the last change. And so what happens here, and actually I'll shift over my screen so you can see that a little bit more. Okay, can you see that map okay? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, so what you'll see here, I'll, I'll show you, this is what map option eight currently looks like. And when I click on map option 8.1 and there's an overlay, you'll notice that this is the change that occurs with Brown Street and keeping it intact there. Well, the population shifted over here um, from um, District 1 extending into District 3 between Allison Drive and Puta South all the way up to the I-80. The other change that occurs is District 1 now extends into the area running south of the I-80 um, between Puta South and Nut Tree Road. And it kind of looks like the boot of Italy right here. Um, and it now adds that to District 1. And so that area includes a portion of the Vacaville Premium Outlets south of the I-80 and west of the Nut Tree Road. Okay. And so with that, um, over here, we have the demographic information. Um, there has been some shifting in District 3 where there's a loss of 163, and District 6 also remains fully intact, and there's a total deviation of 9.66%. And so the findings from this map option 8.1 is that it is susceptible, it's under 10% uh, as well, and it incorporates council feedback from the Port of Public Hearing to make the adjustments to map 8 and it does not create a majority minority voting district, but it does uh, create a coalition district. So the next steps would be to receive input from council um, regarding the map options, and hopefully for council to select a preferred map, as Michelle mentioned, and to introduce that ordinance adopting the final map. So here we are today, it's April 4th, the deadline it to adopt a final map is April 17th. Um, so today is the last, day to consider the map. And so council would have these three map options before it. And that is because there has to be five days between the introduction of the ordinance, as well as 
the adoption of the ordinance. And there also has to be three days um, for posting of the map. And with that, that concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm gonna open up the uh, public comment. And it uh, looks like there's one person on there and they're not raising their hand. I'm gonna close public comment and entertain motion. Uh, Roy Stockton, go ahead. Uh, one quick question. Can, can I have you zoom in on that little boot? Like I had a really hard time looking at it, but um... I'd like to, I'd like to just see that a little easier, clearer if I can. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Silva. All right, thank you. Um, just uh, real quick, uh, during last meeting, I realized we're predominantly here because of me. Um, so thank you, everybody, for bearing with me. Uh, there was a, a council member, Stockton, had uh, you know made us uh, clearly stated that hey, you know, I definitely um, uh, represent the residents along uh, that particular um, east part of uh, Brown Street, Bennett, Callan. Uh, I just want to clarify with everybody. Uh, I didn't respond because I was thinking in the process of how to move forward. Uh, so I just want to extend an apology to Council Member Stockton. Uh, it was no, um, no, uh, I did not intend to um, suggest or imply that you would not represent folks there. In fact, everyone should know that um, that he has represented um, residents along Markham area uh, very well. Uh, so I just, I just want to get that out out there publicly. Uh, so number two, I think uh, I'm not a big fan of 8.1. It looks, you know, I, I realize it's, you know I don't know what the definition for us at a local level will be gerrymandering or whatnot, but uh, I just think like that that layout is kind of awkward. Uh, I think it adds maybe more confusion to a, a confusing process for a lot of residents, uh, as is uh, with respect to districts. Um, you know, I, I do have a strong uh, uh, passion for uh, the that uh, eastern part of, of Markham um, and uh, and I think with respect to where residents are at uh, I think maybe um, limiting the impact on re redrawing the district lines um, I, I would like to support um, option one and then uh, we'll see how things go you know uh, 10 years from now I imagine that overhang from district one into uh, district five that would um, that would what that would be altered um, so, you know, it is, uh, I wish we could play around with the maps, you know, fine tune them a little bit more, but I also realize, you know, uh, we're on a time crunch and uh, it's been a kind of an interesting uh, process uh, based on the feedback. I think um, a couple of the, the, the maps that were suggested uh, were very similar as far as um, limiting the amount of deviation. And that was something I, I just personally liked because uh, it limits the need for us to come back 10 years down the road uh, to adjust it. But I think, you know, as our city continues to grow, um, you know, I, I think the element that's improbable. And I think as we, I think, the, you know, the more methodical that we transition to there, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe it's easier on residents to follow along what's going on. But I think it's also important to everybody to know, and this is more for the public, because I, I feel very strongly that the council's aligned with this concept that uh, we are truly committed to representing 
all residents within our within our city. Uh, we may you know differ on you know different uh, philosophies and whatnot, but uh, when it comes down to doing what's best for our community, I think 100% uh, we're always on board with that. So I uh, just I'll leave it up to you know more hear more comments, but I I support option one. Thank you, <clears throat> Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do appreciate you guys taking the council's considerations for trying to keep districts intact. Um, I know it's a difficult point with maps, but I do think 8.1 is kind of stepped backwards from eight uh, due to the lines can be confusing for districts. They're not clearly defined on main roads. Um, with that, I'll, I'll support either one or the original eight. Um, just because the lines on 8.1, I think will be confusing the residents, especially the little boot that switch between two and three. Uh, that's all I have, thank you. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and make a motion for option one. Is there a second? It's so much. Also second. Thank you, Silva. Uh, roll call vote, please. Council member Stockton? Yes. Council member Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? Yes. Councilmember Sullivan? I'm gonna vote no. Councilmember Wiley? I am going to vote no, I guess, because I wanted to hear about Councilmember Sullivan and District 4, because I knew he was interested in having that extend, and I don't see that in, in Map 1. So we hadn't had that discussion, but I'll vote no for that reason. Vice Mayor Roberts? Uh, I'll go yes. Mayor Rollett. Yes. Okay, we made it through. Uh, we'll go to the next item, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. Um, this is our regular COVID update in a sense. Um, we're going to start off with our fire chief giving the council some updated numbers. We'll turn it over to our city attorney, Melinda Stewart, to talk a little bit about the resolution. And then I will wrap it up with regards to uh, potential options for the council's consideration. Good evening, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council members. As uh, usual, I will start off with the uh, latest data. Uh, California is up to uh, just shy of 8.5 million cases. Now, the difference um, in here, the 79,336 is from uh, four weeks ago. So the uh, number of daily cases is decreasing, um, which is really good news. Uh, just over 88,207 uh, uh, 88, deaths. And then the seven day positivity is 1.6. Um, it's a decrease of 0.3 over the last week um, from the state website. And then Solano County, um, in the last four weeks, there's been an increase of 871 cases. Um, a huge decrease in the number of active cases. We're down to 177 active cases as of last Friday. Um, and there are only uh, five hospitalized um, in the county uh, with COVID. That's a decrease of 26 over the last month. Um, now the ICU availability went down. It was, it's at 28%. It was at 41% or 40, um, 43%. Not quite sure what that is, but um, um, it probably other cases other than um, COVID is what's causing the ICU availability to go down. And then uh, there have been 11 deaths over the last month. Seven-day positivity is just slightly over the, the states. It's 
Um, it's a slight increase over um, as of last week, um, but still nowhere near where we used to be. And then um, back in Boulder, we're up to 21,650 cases, an increase of 208 over the last uh, month. Next slide, please. Um, nationwide, uh, the BA.2 variant um, is becoming more prevalent in the United States. Um, there has some has been because it's more contagious. Has been some increase in some states as far as the number of cases. Um, but uh, what they're saying, from everything that I've read, is that it's less virulent than and. and uh, uh, people are likening it to more like uh, they're getting symptoms more like a common cold. And then um, I know this says most states, but actually as of March 25th, all 50 states have dropped their indoor mask mandate. So Hawaii was the last one um, that dropped their mask mandate on March 25th. Um, and the state, new, the new daily cases I had mentioned continue to drop. And then we, as far as Solano County is concerned, uh, we are in the low tier, so we're in the lowest tier as far as community transmission, according to CDC. That's uh, less than 10 cases per 100,000 per day, so um, that is um, that is uh, really good. Um, and then as far as Vacaville, um, nothing has changed in the, in the last month. And then with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it on, uh, turn it over to, I believe, um, our city attorney, Melinda Stewart. Great, thanks Chief, and good evening Mayor, Vice Mayor, and members of the Council. So tonight you are once again back to considering whether to return to in-person meetings of the City Council and other City Boards and Commissions, or whether COVID-related health and safety concerns still exist, which would dictate toward continuing remote meetings for the next 30 days. The current resolution does provide for remote meetings through April 11th. As you know very well by now, uh, to continue remote meetings for another month, the City Council must make certain findings. The first finding is that a state of emergency is still in effect, and that is the case. The second finding, uh, which is applicable to your circumstances, is that the state of emergency continues to directly impact the ability to meet safely in person. Next slide, please. So some factors that could support returning to in-person meetings include many of the statistics that the chief just shared. Um, COVID-related numbers are generally decreasing. Mask mandates are being lifted or have been lifted. Uh, City Hall has reopened to the public for walk-in business. And Solano County is in the low category of the CDC's uh, transmission metric. On the other hand, some factors that could support continuing remote meetings include uh, the fact that city staff do continue to contract COVID, uh, which not only compromises their own health and safety, but also uh, can disrupt workflow and productivity. The CDC and state continue to recommend the use of face coverings indoor uh, in indoor public settings. So that's a recommendation, not a mandate. Uh, face coverings are required in certain high-risk settings like uh, transit and healthcare settings. Uh, also, some of the concerns over the new subvariant BA.2, which the chief just touched on. Uh, so again, those are some of the factors for your consideration tonight. Uh, also in our uh, discussion, our last discussion on the matter, some questions arose about whether under the Brown Act, if the council does not renew the AB 361 resolution and returns to in-person meetings, um, whether last minute arrangements could be made to accommodate remote participation by a council member that falls ill after the agenda is posted. So I do want to confirm that the Brown Act does not allow for such accommodations, and in that case, the council member would have to miss the meeting. 
Tonight, we are asking the council to either let the existing AB 361 resolution expire, which would prompt the return to in-person meetings at your next regular city council meeting on April 12th, or uh, in the alternative to adopt the resolution before you, extending the current remote meeting resolution, which would allow for remote meetings through May 5th of 2022. But before you um, uh, discuss that and, and uh, vote on that, uh, the city manager's office has some information on the availability of hybrid meetings. So I'll hand it over to Aaron Bush. Next slide, please. <clears throat> okay, so at the last uh, meeting, council uh, raised the question about uh, the ability to provide hybrid meetings, which in this case means the ability to continue go back to in-person meetings with the ability for people to connect with our council meetings in some form of virtual or um, conferencing system. So uh, we've explored those options uh, in more detail. And tonight, I'm just going to give you a quick update on those. And so really, there's uh, two options, um, a Zoom integration or a telephone call-in system. And we'll start with the, the Zoom integration um, because there's actually seven options in those. So next slide, please. So a temporary Zoom integration is really, uh, just as it says, temporary. Um, the system that we purchased several years ago um, is a, a very um, um, worthwhile system, but the challenge is, is that it was not installed to do what we were asking it to do in terms of providing this type of service. So it's only temporary in that it um, needs to be modified to support hybrid meetings for a limited time. Uh, if that option was chosen, it would compromise our stability of the system from an audio standpoint. And so the predictability and reliability of the, the quality of uh, the meetings to the outside people visiting our Zoom meetings um, would not be able, it, that service would not be uh, predictable or reliable. And so um, we're not really in favor of that solution. Um, that particular option does require the use of an additional staff person with a separate computer access um, to allow um, act, serve as a gatekeeper for that service. Next option, please. Next slide, please. Um, the more permanent solution is really creating a Zoom room in the council chambers, much like we did in our AB conference room. We would need to fully update the hardware and software integration into the existing system. And essentially that means hardwiring the system into um, the council chambers so that that feature could be added. It would support offsite panelists, uh, not attendees to participate and present video presentations within the council chambers. But that um, service does cost a one-time cost of approximately anywhere from 45 to $70,000. But that would give us the predictability and reliability of that service if the council decides that they would like to um, provide the option of having outside um, public um, join those in-person meetings. Next slide, please. The final uh, option uh, that was referenced was a telephone call-in system. Currently, we do not have the ability to do this um, in the council chambers. We would essentially need to create a digital call center with multiple connections. Um, it would require a separate concurrent system and the audio integration is limited to broadcast in the chambers. It will require a heavy reliance on uh, multiple city staff to answer and direct those uh, callers, and the callers do have the potential to be impacted as a result of that uh, unpredictable phone tree system. So um, next slide, please. 
So with that, those are the options that we see for council's consideration. Um, if they should desire to go back to in-person meetings um, and explore the possibility of incorporating a hybrid option. So with that, we're gonna put it back to the council uh, for your discussion about um, the passage or uh, um, expiration of AB 361 for the resolution. So with that, we have the uh, recommendations in front of you. And then with regards to the hybrid meetings, we would just need council to give us a consensus on your desire for how to proceed with those. So next slide. With that, um, your team is here to answer any questions. Great, thank you very much for the presentation. I'm gonna open up public comment. I'm gonna close public comment and bring it back to the council. And I'll start with uh, council member Sullivan, please. Thanks. Uh, do you have a timetable, Aaron, on the temporary or permanent accommodations for Zoom? My understanding is, is that it would take uh, several months just because of the lead time for equipment and then installation. So uh, we would have to coordinate the, the construction schedule with council meetings and other um, commission and board meetings in there as well. So is it a possibility to go temp if, like, let's say we withdraw AB 361 tonight, we decide to remove that, but go temporary. Could we remove that, go temporary and work on permanent? Is that an option? You, you would essentially have to, because uh, if you desired any form of hybrid, it would have to start temporary and then uh, progress into the permanent. Solution. Okay, I guess my concern, my concern is I don't wanna just have a cliff, right? Like we decide to do hybrid and there's six months where we have to do in-person anyways, but it sounds like we could decide to go back to in-person meetings. We could have a temporary option right off the bat and then work towards a permanent option over time. So there wouldn't be disruption to folks that wanna call in from home, is that, is that correct? Well, the, we can certainly use the temporary, but again, I can't vouch for the, the quality of how that will work. I mean, our okay. team is, is um, put a lot of effort and research into this and they're doing everything they can with, you know, duct tape and paper clips to make it work. Um, but until we actually try it, um, there's no real telling what it, what it will look and sound like. Okay, got it, thank you. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, I yeah, appreciate the option of you guys looking into it. Um, I realize one of the biggest hangups is the live broadcasting on channel 26, uh, just the way the system is set up. Is live broadcasting on channel 26 a legal requirement for us to do on public access, or can that be recorded and put on at a later time if that's the hangup with the system? And then um, that's one of the questions. Another one is, yeah, would it be possible to do, uh, or at least test out the, the the hybrid temporary system because we haven't done it and it's hard to do a theoretical answer on that. So I think it'd be worth willing to try. And if it does cause significant issues, then back off of that until we can get a more permanent solution. And as city managers, we've talked, I do think that cost is a little high. I do understand there's some special equipment that's required for channel 26. Uh, so I, if we do decide to go the permanent hybrid I'd like to see more of a cost breakdown on that. We can do that on the side, unless they want to, the other council members would like to see that. Um, and then if we do go permanent uh, hybrid system, would that have a cost savings on, that we'd have to pay out for different panelists that would, we'd cover their travel costs. So would that cut down on those costs to us? And those are my questions, thank you. Mr. City Manager. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. So with regards to the, you know, is it a legal requirement to, to broadcast channel six? No, um, as best as we can tell, but it is necessary to broadcast in order to record our meetings. So it's kind of a catch 22. We need, we need to do that. And honestly, it is a, um, uh, a customer service issue as well. So um, the, the last comment that was mentioned in terms of the offsetting cost for um, for attendees, can you explain that a little bit more? Because I'm not following. Um, I know for a lot of consultants and stuff we have, there's travel costs built in that if they do have to come to the city to present information if we are live. So if we did Zoom panelists, would that would any of that cost be offset by cost savings that we are not spending on travel costs for consultants or uh, other panelists that may have to travel to the city? Well, I suspect there's probably the potential for that. Um, I would say that it's probably minimal in the overall scheme of things. Um, so, I mean, it's, I don't know the, the real long-term cost savings in that regard. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's all the questions I have for right now. Thank you. Okay. Councilmember Ritchie. Okay. First and foremost, thank you. Um, I really appreciate all the updates we got from Chief, Chief Conception um, and the whole team and everyone's city staff. I know it's been a long, a long go at this with the updates and the data presented into matter, which is uh, insightful and kind of like not scary, but um, yeah, I just want to, I want to rock and roll and get back to life. Um, it, it's, I feel like it's an intercom gorilla not to, to, to kind of really be truthful. The, the whole country, city, states, we're up and running. We're having fun. We're, we're back at it. We, we got to move forward and stop being scared. And we, we got to go. I mean, we have to, you know, get in front of people. You know, I, I made a comment, I think, one, I think to the city manager about leadership. You know, there's two top leaders. One leads from the front, one leads from the back. You know, I want us, we are leaders in the city. We need, we need to be good examples. We need to lead from the front. If one person in our city staff, public works, is out there inter interacting with the city and putting himself in harm's way, and we're not, we're hypocrites. Um, if one person's doing it, we all should. So I think I want to make a statement. We got to lead from the front and be, and if we're asking one person to put himself in harm's way, we all have to. Um, nothing's, nothing's perfect in life. There's always going to be problems. I mean, I mean, it's part of life. Um, something can always happen. So we can't live scared in a, in a corner. Uh, we got to get up and get out and do it. Um, I just feel that, you know, take the 70 G's, let's give it to the kids. I mean, let's agree to spend the money. Let's give it to the kids. It's summertime. Let's disperse that money instead of spend on some software or maybe the seven people that would call in. Um, I'd rather invest that money back in the community instead of software. I'd rather give it to kids, put it towards parks and recs. Any kids that need help getting into programs to get active in the summer, give them the money. Uh, I'd rather spend the money for kids and hear my voice clear. Um, I was very passionate about not kind of pretending like the elephant room's not there. Like we're, we're going, we're back at it. We've done the best we can as a, as a city, state, country to move forward. Let's, let's not go backwards. Wiley. Uh, thanks for the information as well. And basically on the presentation for the agenda, you know, there's a temporary choice for permanent. Both of them will take time to get done. So it sounds like it's kind of people were thinking that the temporary solution is just the permanent one before it's finished, but they're two separate things, correct? 
but it will just take us a while to get a permit one done if we want. So the, the permanent installation, which just real quickly is funded through PEG funding, which is uh, very specific to this type of equipment and improvements. So unfortunately it could not go to other uh, resources as was suggested, um, but I appreciate the thought. But the permanent installation would require uh, equipment that is uh, you know, really dependent on the supply chain and the availability of vendor competition. And so it could be that, you know, uh, because we're not the only municipality that's looking into this type of approach. Uh, it could be six months to a year, I'm told. And so in the meantime, uh, if the council is interested to um, utilize a hybrid methodology, really we would have to try out the, the temporary method and do the best that we can with the system as it currently works with some modifications to incorporate that, um, uh, that resource. Um, again, we don't know exactly how, um, what kind of quality we're going to get out of that, but we don't know until we try it, I guess. So I really don't have reservations about returning to in-person meetings. I do think that it's great to have the ability for people to call in, but again, we only sometimes don't have a lot of people taking advantage of that, and so you spend a lot of money for a few people but it's nice to have that public access available. I also do think that it would make a lot of sense for consultants to be able to, you know, call in rather than drive from, you know, a long distance to be here in person sometimes. So I like the availability of that as well. Um, and then, you know, hiring a staff, I assume that it would be sort of an, you know, a job to begin with that wouldn't be, you know, at the high level pay, but for technology, I know you have to know what you're doing. So it would probably you know, cost more than, than we would think on a permanent basis. I do have real concerns with audio, like the temporary thing. If it, you know, if it messes up, you try to have a meeting, but then people can't hear or people get kicked out, then it's really frustrating as well. So I'll just say, I don't have an issue with in-person meetings at this time. That's it. Hey, um, Roberts. I believe Councilmember Stockton hand up. I'll let him go ahead. Oh, I apologize. Uh, Councilmember Stockton. Um, thank you. Um, thank you, uh, Vice Mayor. Um, so I have I have a, a couple questions. I, I'm absolutely ready to get back um, in in-person meeting, um, but I, I, I do have, have a couple questions. If we do a hybrid, I agree with uh, Councilwoman Wiley. I think if, if it's if we're kind of on shaky ground, we're opening the door for people to be really upset when they can't hear or they can't comment. But my, the bigger question is: Is there any sort of liability, Melinda, with um, you know giving this option and then not having it work? Because you know having people that want to make a comment that could have drove, you know, for the com uh, but for the convenience chose this other option and then they don't get to participate. But we and we offer that or we sanction that. Is there some sort of liability with that? So right now under AB 361, uh, there is. If your technology doesn't work, you have to stop the meeting and you can't con continue it until that um, technology issue is fixed. Mm -hmm. um, my recommendation, if we go back to in person and um, and and not do the the AB 361 resolution, um, would be to make it clear on the agenda for this period of time that. Um, 
you know, the meeting will be held in person that we are uh, offering Zoom on kind of a pilot uh, project basis uh, and that is that we're not guaranteeing um, the, the quality or the availability of that technology. Okay, and, and that's not ideal, um, certainly. And, and so I, um, I, I'll end with this comment. I, I feel like it is time to go back in person, but I also recognize that life um, throws things are change. Things can change in life, right? Um, the numbers can change. A new variant can come out. Is there anything um, that would prevent um, our our state or our you know our our meetings you know um, from going back and doing what we're doing right now? Right. I mean, I kind of feel like yeah, now it's time to go back in. But if things change, we can always go back and and do these um, Zoom meetings for everyone. Isn't that correct? As long as there's still a state of emergency um, by the governor, then yes, we could re go back and readopt another uh, AB 361 resolution. Okay, so I mean that's still an option if if things change down the road. I think spending the seventy thousand um, dollars, you know, there's a lot of equipment, computer equipment, different things that can be um, uh, improved or worked on with that amount of money. So I would agree with Councilmember Ritchie on his comments with that. Um, I, I'm ready to go back in person, knowing full well that we don't know what tomorrow offers, and this and going back to the uh, full virtual is, I think, an option that will always be available. Thank you, uh, Vice Mayor Roberts. Yeah, I was gonna make a motion. Uh, Council Member Sullivan or Silva uh, actually had comments. Um, I'll let okay, you want to hold, because I haven't made a comment either. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll hold on a motion, let everybody else comment if they have comments. Okay, great. Council Member Silva, uh, excuse me, Sullivan, I apologize. Uh, no worries. So um, it, it's kind of an interesting, I was talking to the city manager about this the other day. Um, most of the council started pretty much in a hybrid environment. And so you'd never really known anything prior to, I mean, obviously you've probably been to council meetings and you'd been to other meetings and whatnot. So it, it, it was very different, right? So I attended council meetings for about two years before I got elected and then had about two years before you guys got on. So it was about four years. 99% of the meetings, we had the same one or two people in the audience every single time. Um, it had the same two issues. You'd have 20 staff on the left side of the room. You'd have one or two people on the right side. Um, you were lucky if the newspaper covered it periodically or they'd come and show up. And as much as some of the comments and the feedback and, you know, during the protest phase, we got roasted um, and it was uncomfortable and shitty for all of us. Excuse my French. Um, I appreciate the feedback. And there've been plenty of, of folks that are medically vulnerable or fragile, or they have kids or they have a variety of other issues. They're disabled. Uh, you know, there's, I've, I've heard from folks that, that I know come to count, used to come in, in, uh, in wheelchairs and now they don't have to, and they're very appreciative of that. And so I think for us, not even to try when we have at least five to seven to 10 people per meeting, and it used to be again, one or two of the same people. And I, you guys probably know their names. They come talk about the same two topics over and over and over again. I think it is probably one of the better changes that has come with COVID. Um, and if, you know, 70,000 to me to inform a couple hundred residents per year uh, is, is kind of a no brainer. So I do totally understand the questions. I get the sentiment, but really going from where we were at before with an empty audience every single time, dang near, to actually having 10 to 15 to 20 people involved and actually listening and, and calling in and offering ideas, I think is valuable. And in a couple of instances this year, there've been speakers that have called in who have totally changed my perspective on items. And so I think it would be short-sighted for us not to do that. 
I understand the technology issues. I understand how frustrating it is if we do a temporary setup and the mic's off or the speaker's off or it's something crazy, but it really can't be much worse than it is today. I love Melinda's suggestion about the temporary waiver, you know, kind of bear with us while we get through this phase. Um, for me, pre-Zoom pre, uh, to post-Zoom, it's, it's night and day. And I know exactly what we'll get if we cut off Zoom options, we'll get those same two people back. Um, I think those same two people haven't been coming on Zoom, so maybe they don't know how to Zoom, which maybe the same two people will now come in person, we'll get people on Zoom. So I think we get the best of both worlds. I think we get everything all the council members want with the hybrid option. And I, I feel pretty strongly about it just based on my perspective from attending those meetings without Zoom and now being on Zoom. So I, I'm strongly supporting the hybrid option with the temporary option to lead to hybrid. If we find that over a couple of meetings through the temporary option, we get zero attendees for a couple of meetings in a row, I'm definitely willing to talk. I just don't think that's gonna happen. And so again, I, I think it would be short-sighted for us not to at least try it and just see how it goes. Vice Mayor Roberts. Oh, there's still council members. So I've just had my hand up for the motion for after everybody's done commenting. Okay, uh, council member Silva. Let's go back in person and uh, we suggest we have staff look into the temporary quality options and that's something we talk about later down the road, uh, but let's get back in person. Okay, and I know Roberts wants to make a motion, so I'm going to jump in and um, uh, unfortunately, I disagree with uh, council member Sullivan. Um, I sat on this city council for many, many years and um, I could tell you when there was something important to the city of Acaville, that place was packed. Um, maybe not every single meeting, but when something mattered, people came down and spoke. We've had overflow in our city council chambers, and I could probably ask Michelle how many times, it, it overflows. When people really care about what's going on, they will come down. And you mentioned people in wheelchairs would come down and now they wouldn't have to come down but they came down because it mattered to them. And I can tell you right now, I've never been more embarrassed in my whole life than when we started Zoom with people calling in. And I know that you guys heard what I heard. I was embarrassed for the city. I was embarrassed for people, businesses that wanted to come here because they listen. Developers listen to those meetings. And you don't have to come down and talk. You can listen to it on multiple different uh, variants out there. And they would hear that and they would call me. And I told, in fact, it's council member Sullivan that I called. We had meetings with big bio manufacturers that said they don't wanna come to Vacaville because the people on the Zoom were destroying the city of Vacaville. And you can sit there on social media all day. And I don't think any of the seven people on the city council will disagree. Anyone on social media can go on and say the horrible, outlandish lies, and we can't do anything about it. And that's what you do when you say, let's go back in person, but just open up social media to our meeting. We heard people say profanity that I never, ever heard at the city council meeting. No one comes up to the dais and screams F-bombs. But on social media, when we were on Zoom, bam, everybody was calling in. There was no respect, people calling people out. I think it's a horrible idea. I understand the idea. Like if there was seriously people that were like, I can't get out of my house and I really truly want to be part of this, 
we still have outlets for that. But getting a group of angry individuals to call in because they're not, they don't care about Vacaville. They care about an, an agenda. We're just opening ourselves up for that. And I just, I'm, I've never been more disappointed. And if everyone on the city council doesn't agree with me, I was sad for city of Vacaville with people calling in and it wasn't anybody that we knew or it wasn't friends or whatever. It was just people that were just angry, mean, and still to this day, we still get some calls that are just angry and mean. And it's disappointing. And I don't want i don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be there and have people call in and say horrible, horrible things to the city council, horrible things to the staff, horrible things about the city of Vacaville, and then possibly don't even live in Vacaville. We had multiple phone calls that they would announce, I'm not from Vacaville, but I'm calling in to tell you how horrible your city is. And I'm saying, if you're vested in the city of Vacaville, if you truly care about an item that's on the agenda, come on down to the city council or send us an email. Send us an email and we will make sure that every city council member gets it. And if you can't make it, we totally understand. I, I can't remember what council member said it tonight, but one of the council members said, hey, let the city council know what's going on and, and we will make sure your message is heard. And I think that we're just setting ourselves up for failure because I can lead a charge immediately for people that don't care and say, oh, you know what, call in on this one item and just bombard everybody with a phone call. And I don't think it's fair to the city of Vacaville. I don't think it's fair to this city council, to be honest. And I, I wouldn't vote for a hybrid. And uh, if, if we could control the hybrid, I would be for it because absolutely I would try to make it easier for some folks, but I think it was an obstacle for destruction and I don't want to see it. I don't want to be a part of it and I wouldn't vote for it. And um, I will, uh, I will go to vice mayor Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. So we go ahead and motion to go back in person but I'd like to do a hybrid pilot program to see how well it works because we don't know what the quality will be until we actually try it. And so I say we give it a few meetings. If the quality is subpar or there's connectivity issues, then we drop that until we can figure something different out. Uh, my main reasoning for this is I'm all for visibility in the city. So yeah, YouTube is good. I also really think it should be broadcast on Facebook Live on the city's Facebook page. Um, I'd really like to see what the viewership is for channel 26 and how many people actually watch that. But, so my motion is back in person with the hybrid temporary uh, uh, pilot program to see how well it actually works. Mr. City Manager, is, is that a good motion? So just to be clear that we're not adopting a resolution through 361, we're letting the current resolution expire, which would mean that um, council and commissions would return to the in-person meetings and that we would, uh, in the interim, go ahead with our temporary hybrid system um, and report back to council after several meetings on the quality issues as well as the utilization of that feature. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> so, yeah, just so, because I want to vote for in-person. 
So we're going to go in person, but it's in person for everyone until we figure out a way to do it a hybrid. Uh, in person for everybody with I'm, I'm asking the city manager I'm sorry buddy I'm asking the city manager no well as I hear the vice mayor's recommendation is to immediately well first meeting with the council would be in person with the utilization of the temporary hybrid is what I hear the vice mayor saying yes can we vote on these <laughs> what's that can we just vote on these separately to, to make it easier or no? Yeah, well, well yeah, we can do that. If I can, sorry, this is the city attorney. If I can add something, you do not need to vote if you want to um, return to in-person meetings. Then the resolution would just expire if you don't make a motion on that. So the only vote that's needed is on the hybrid. Okay, then, uh, yeah, motion just to move to hybrid, a hybrid meeting for future meetings on a pilot program and let the other one expire, let the AB 361 expire. Second. Uh, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Ritchie. So a no vote means regardless, we're going back in person, correct? Uh, no, just, just a no vote means that you don't want to go to a hybrid. So a no vote would mean you don't want to go hybrid. Correct. But we, regardless, we're going back anyways, we're going to let it expire, right? Correct. Yes. So I, I vote no. I don't want to waste our city's money. So I vote no. Council Member Silva. No, I think we should try it out first and then bring it back. Council Member Sullivan. I'm voting yes. Council Member Wiley. I'm voting yes, so that still means we're trying it out. Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts? Yes. Council Member Stockton? No. Mayor Ouellette? No. I'll make a motion just do in person and then let the staff figure out whatever, but just to kill the uh, Zoom right now. Is there a second? I thought that's what we just did. We already did that. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, so I, th I think, Mr. Mayor, the, again, to break this out as the city attorney suggested that the if it sounds like there's unanimous uh, consensus on the in-person. No, no, that will allow AB 361 to expire. So there's no action needed from the council, which means that your next meeting, the April 12th city council meeting would return to in-person. Based on everything the, in person, no Zoom. Okay, perfect. Correct. And then uh, can we go back? Thank you, uh, City Council. Can we go back uh, to the last item, Mr. City Manager? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do need to introduce the, the ordinance. So I'm going to turn over to City Clerk for that first item. Thank you. So um, because the motion did not include the introduction of the ordinance, I would like to just have um, that motion restated to introduce the ordinance and then I'll read the ordinance title, um, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that's fine. Do you want the, it, it's we went with option one with the uh, second. So it was option one was second. 
Yes. Is that what you... Option one was the, the map chosen. Yes. But we just need to state that we're introducing the ordinance. Um, yes. I'll read the title to the ordinance. An ordinance of the City Council of the City of Vacaville amending section 2.60.020 of chapter 2.60 of Title II of the Vacaville Municipal Code regarding bi-district elections, adjusting the boundaries of City Council election districts and confirming such revised council district boundaries as reflected in attached map one. Great, and with that, uh... I think we go to Goodnight Vacaville, correct, Mr. City Manager? That's correct. Thank you for your... All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, City Council, for sitting through another special meeting. I would like to make a motion that we have a meeting every week. Good night. Good night. <laughs>